I'm going to read in English. And it's Esther 1, 1 through 12. This happened in the days of Hasuerus, the same Ahasuerus who ruled over 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia. In those days when King Ahasuerus sat on his royal throne in the citadel of Susa in the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all his officials and ministers. The army of Persia and Media and the nobles and governors of the provinces were present while he displayed the great wealth of his kingdom and the splendor and pomp of his majesty for many days, 180 days in all. When these days were completed, the king gave for all the people present in the citadel of Susa, both great and small, a banquet lasting for seven days in the court of the garden of the king's palace. There were white cotton curtains and blue hangings tied with cords of fine linen and purple to silver rings, and marble pillars. There were couches of gold and silver on a mosaic pavement of porphyry, marble, mother of pearl, and colored stones. Drinks were served in golden goblets, goblets of different kinds, and the royal wine was lavished according to the bounty of the king. Drinking was by flagons without restraint, for the king had given orders to all the officials of his palace to do as each one desired. Furthermore, Queen Vashti gave a banquet for the women in the palace of King Hasaris. On the seventh day, when the king was married with wine, he he commanded Mehuman, Bizthah, Harbanah, Bigthah, and Abagah, Zethar, and Carcass, the seven eunuchs who attended him, to bring Queen Vashti before the king wearing the royal crown in order to show the peoples and the officials her beauty, for she was fair to behold. But Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command, conveyed by the eunuchs. At this, the king was enraged, and his anger burned within him. Esther 1, versículos 1 a 12. El rey Azuero que reinó sobre 127 provincias que se extendían desde la India hasta Cus, estableció su trono real en la ciudadela de Susa. En el tercer año de su reinado, ofreció un banquete para todos sus funcionarios y servidores, al que asistieron los jefes militares de Persia y Media, y los magistrados y los gobernadores de las provincias. Y durante 180 días les mostró la enorme riqueza de su reino y la esplendorosa gloria de su majestad. Pasado ese tiempo, él ofreció otro banquete para, um, que duró siete días para todos los que se encontraban en la ciudadela de Susa, tanto los más importantes como los de menor importancia. Este banquete tuvo lugar en el jardín interior de su pla- palacio, el cual lucía cortinas blancas y azules sostenidas por cordones del de lino blanco y tela púrpura, los cuales pasaban por anillos de plata sujetos a columnas de mármol. También había sofa, sofás de oro y plata sobre un piso de mos, mosaicos de porfido, mármol, madre perla y otras piedras preciosas. 
En copas de oro de las más variadas formas se servía el vino real, el cual corría a raudales como era de esperarse del rey. Todos los invitados podían beber cuanto quisieran, pues los camareros habían recibido instrucciones del rey de servir a cada uno lo que deseara. deseara. La reina Basti, por su parte, ofreció también un banquete para las mujeres en, en el palacio del rey Azuero. Al séptimo día, como a causa del vino del rey Azuero estaba muy alegre, les ordenó a, la, a los siete eunucos que le servían. Meomán, Vita, Harboná, Victa, Abacta, Setar y Carcaz, que llevarán a su presencia a la reina, ceñida con la corona real, a fin de exhibir su belleza ante los pueblos y sus dignatarios, pues, pues realmente era muy hermosa. Pero cuando los eunucos le comunicaron la orden del rey, la reina se negó a ir. Esto contrario mucho al rey y se enfureció. La palabra de Dios. Let us pray. Gracious God, we are so thankful for your presence today. We thank you for the ministers of music who lent themselves, oh God, to worship. We thank you for everyone on the program who came before, oh God. Thank you for using them to set this atmosphere. We thank you for these, your people, who want to hear a word from you, oh God. So I ask even now, oh God, that you would open our hearts and our minds to what you would have us know. Strengthen us, deliver us, set us free. It is in the name of Jesus that I pray, amen, and thank God. I want to um, thank Pastor Delante for the invitation. It's always a pleasure to be here at um, Peace Fellowship. I have always felt welcome. I want to specifically thank um, a little brother by the name of Amir, who welcomed me into the door. He ran to the door and um, welcomed me and made sure um, that I felt embraced. So I'm grateful for that and grateful for the gift of children in that way. Um, today, personally, for me, is, um, is special. Today um, actually marks uh, 10 years ago. Today I preached my very first sermon. And... Um, I just have so much gratitude for the ways that God continues to just amaze me and move me with his love, his grace, and the many doors that he's opened and allowed me to, to walk through. I'm very grateful for that. I want to um, bring our attention just to um, verse 11 that says, The king had commanded to bring Vashti before the king wearing the royal crown, in order to show the peoples and the officials her beauty, for she was fair to behold. But Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's command and conveyed by the eunuchs. At this, the king was enraged, and his anger burned within him. 
there's a poem by, a brief poem by Nayara Wahid that says this, no might make them angry, but it will make you free. If no one has ever told you, your freedom is more important than their anger. I wanna talk today about the power of saying no. If anyone has ever raised a child or been in close proximity to a child around the age of two, you'll notice that they begin to develop certain speaking abilities, right? And it is often that they learn the word no around this time. They begin to take full advantage of their newfound ability to say no. They readily let you know they are not interested in participating in whatever you have asked them to do. They boldly proclaim it. There are times that although they know other words, no is the favorite word. It is all they will use. Sometimes you can even catch them saying no out of their mouths but shaking their heads yes. Do you want a piece of candy? No, right? When we first learn to say the word no, there is a level of dignity that we embody as little humans. It isn't until we get older and our cognitive ability strengthen that we are able to understand how our no's have the ability to make the people we love unhappy. We recognize that our no's can cause discomfort. Depending on our personality type, our upbringing, or socialization, the reality makes some of us more hesitant to say no, especially when we love or care for someone. Even as children, we are taught and conditioned that there are certain people that we cannot say no to, or that if we do, there are consequences. Our teachers, our parents, our faith leaders, the list goes on. And because of this, we can find ourselves often saying yes when we actually do want to say no. Some of us overextend ourselves. Some of us go beyond our capacity to say yes when we want to say no. And we convince ourselves that it's the best thing to do because we're making small sacrifices. And while this may be true, there is a difference between compromise and allowing someone to cross our boundaries because of our relationship to them. Some of us may be guilt-tripped or are the ones guilt-tripping when someone we love tells us no. Oftentimes, our no's remind the other person that they don't have control over us in the way they think they should. The church is guilty of this, especially on the backs of black women and women in general. We overwork, sometimes over-rely on the women to keep things going. We expect women to hold it down, and we expect sister so-and-so to just keep going, and we pat her on the back real good, we say, we say because God honors your sacrifice. But we oftentimes disregard her capacity at that time and disregard our no. We celebrate her as having self-sacrifice. Somewhere along the way in our, um, in our upbringing, it impacts various gender identities differently. Those of us who find ourselves identifying with the female gender are conditioned that somehow our no is not sacred. That our right to say no, whether it pertains to our bodies, our intellect, or our spirituality, that our no is not necessarily our right. Because we are to behave in certain ways that equate blind cooperation with submission. 
I admonish us today to take back our power. And I want to bring to us the idea that our no's very well are sacred. As we come into the text, we are thrust into a scenario of a woman who decides to say no. Now, Vashti is often a footnote in the story of Esther. She's not the one the book of Esther is meant to highlight. After all, the book is called Esther. But I want to lift her up as a focal character for us today. Vashti's status in this story often reminds me of many black women and women of colors who are footnotes in everybody else's story. Our stories matter, our voices matter, and we are significant, and so is Vashti. The text opens up by describing Vashti's husband, King Aceris. He has been on the throne at this time for three years, and in this third year, he holds a huge party, a huge turn up, right? And it says that this party lasted 180 days. All the officials came from every region that was under his purview, right? And the text was lengthy that we read. It's lengthy because it goes on to describe what all they were there to view, all of his riches and all of his wealth, right? The first seven verses are all about his wealth and the elaborateness of his kingdom. It is clear that this man wants to be seen and praised. Verses 7 and 8 tell us something else that is important. It highlights that the drinking during this party time was excessive. It said to us that there was no limitation, okay? Now, I'm a lightweight. I do have a glass of wine, but I am a lightweight. So the thought of drinking for several days gives me so much pause, right? Um, (laughs) But I want to acknowledge that these are real characters, right? And apparently, characters in the Bible know how to party, okay? So Vashti Vashti enters the story in verse 9 where she tells us, where it tells us that she hosted a gathering for the women in the palace, And the king sends his consultants, they're called eunuchs in the text, to tell her to appear before him and all his men wearing her crown, for she was fair to behold, meaning she was bad, she was a dime, she had body, all of these things, right? Um, And Vashti refuses. I want to be very clear about what the text is saying to us in terms of his request. To be clear, the king's request was for her to appear before king, the king and all his men wearing nothing but her crown. Now, I just explained the scene, right? These men have been drinking excessively, having a good time. And in this drunkenness, he summons his queen to come before him wearing nothing but her crown. I wondered how she felt. And I wondered how she said no. Was it bossy? Was she timid? Was she afraid? And I imagine Vastai as a 21st century woman saying, this fool has lost his mind, okay? And instead of speaking to his wife after her response to him, what does he do? He talks to the eunuchs, and he brings legality into a small domestic dispute or disagreement. And what do they do? They exaggerate the scenario. Now all the women, they say, now all the women will be defiant to their husbands instead of considering his request as one that was inappropriate in the first place they decide to co-sign him this is a word for us I think to examine our circle because sometimes we can have people close to us who we see them as trustworthy confidants and there are times when they give us advice that is just simply wrong look at somebody and tell them they were tripping 
(laughs) You need people in your circle who will be able to tell you when you are wrong. You need people in your circle to tell you when you are ego tripping because all of us can fall victim to our own egos. If not, you may want to consider your friends. I began to put myself in Vashti's shoes and I wondered how she felt. And what came up for me was a sense of betrayal. That the person who was supposed to be her partner, at the very least, I don't know if they were in love or not, but at least they were partners as king and queen, who was supposed to care for her and love for her, asked her to come before him and be objectified. I would have felt a mixture of betrayal, of shock, and of anger to know that someone who was supposed to be there for me or protect me will voluntarily put me in harm's way. Can you imagine her walking naked? And the text already tells us they were drinking excessively in front of all these drunken men, right? Even though she was a queen, there was no guarantee of what could have happened to her had she agreed to his request. And then, too, we do not know if this kind of irrational behavior or request is something that perhaps King Xerxes was commonly doing, right? And this might have been Vashti's moment for her to say, I'm just sick of it, and I'm refusing it. This leads me to my first point. Sometimes a no is born out of necessity. Sometimes it is necessary for our survival, it is necessary for our transformation, and it is necessary to honor our boundaries. Our ancestors, our black American ancestors, said no to a society that was unjust and terrorizing despite the threat of death. The no was necessary. And no often signifies that enough is enough because something has to change. Her no may very well have been her exit to a marriage to which she was unhappy. Vashti's no could have very well been her defiance to an oppressive system. But in that moment, she said no to being objectified, and she used her no as a tool for empowerment. What is it today that we ourselves might need to say no to in order that transformation might occur within ourselves and within our communities? It could be people. It could be an old belief that no longer serves us. It could be a relationship. It could even be our own self-doubt when we look in the mirror. But there is something that each of us must stand up and say no to. Resistance and defiance are words that we often equate with negativity. But there are times in our own lives where we must exercise what I call holy defiance. Where you will not just go along to get along. Where you will not turn a blind eye when an injustice is happening right before you. Where you will not just Do what is expected of you because society says so. Sometimes you just have to say no. As we dig back into the text, let's examine what King's Xerxes response really means. The text tells us that anger burned within him. Look at somebody and tell him, oh, he was big mad. Okay. He was angry that his request by his queen was not honored. Okay. And what I think is happening here is more than anger, his pride was hurt, right? He expected his queen to do as he pleased, and she denies him in front of his friends, in front of his homies. 
And we all know that when we are prideful, rational thinking is often the furthest from us. So here comes the downfall in the text. Instead of him consulting or communicating with Vashti, what does he do? He brings everyone else's opinion into the relationship and into the moment. Not only that, he starts to attach laws to it. He asks them the question, what legally can be done to Vashti for denying my request? We could also see that he was probably very insecure. Now, I did a little research, and there are times when there are festivals that lasted a long time in ancient days. But this was one of the very few that lasted for the length of time, 180 days, plus a little seven-day mini-festival just for the people close proximity to him. This man could have been very much insecure. If you have to have everybody come for 180 days to just sit around and look at you and all your wealth and all your splendor, you could very well be lacking something else that you are insecure about. The text also shows us that his consultants themselves are not wise because they take a domestic dispute themselves and make it personal. They attach their own ego to it. The text says... They begin to say, she has not only done this to the king, but to the entire kingdom. So they're attaching and making it personal to the entire kingdom, her no. I want us to recognize how insidious this whole scenario is becoming. Look at somebody and say, we need to take a chill pill. We recognize the king's ego is hurt, but this is clearly excessive. But that is also often the response to our no's. It is often that marginalized persons will stand up for themselves in a very specific moment, and that small moment becomes something that is massive. There have been several times in society and in history where a simple no is what sparked a movement. Not only is a no a necessity, but it is necessary to create change. When we say no to something, we are essentially creating space to say yes to something else. Change happens when we say no and agitate the powers to be to say yes to something better for those who need it. And I can think of many changes in our society today that need to happen. We need change in our government. We need change in our communities where violence and poverty are abound. We need change in our family, and yes, we need change in our churches, and all it takes is one no. All it takes is one no from a group of people who decide they will not be silent. All it takes is no, one no from a pastor who decides I will not cower down. All it takes is one young person to say, no, I will not decide the gifts that God placed inside of me. I will not deny them. All it takes is one ally to say, I will not be complicit in racism. All it takes is one brother to say, I will not be complicit in the sexism. It only takes one to pave the way for change. Claudette Copeland and Rosa Parks said no to not moving on the back of those buses, and they made room for a yes to integration. Fannie Lou Hamer said no and decided to press her way to voting polls, despite the racist laws and the threat of death. Brian Stevenson said no, people deserve to have their rights on death row especially when they are targeting poor black people. We need something different in our justice system. And I'm not saying to us today that embracing the no will be easy, because it's not. 
I'm saying that it requires the God-given spark and courage in each and every one of us. You see, Jesus exemplifies for us a no throughout his ministry. Religious leaders of his day expected Jesus to follow their customs and the ways of Jewish laws. And what does Jesus do? He said no to their norms. He healed on the Sabbath. He ate with sinners. He fed the hungry and restored the outcasts back to society. He embraced the vulnerable. And guess what? It got him killed. The no is a serious thing, and it is often perceived as a threat. But those of us who want change have always known that our no may have consequences, but we understand that no's often open doors to many possibilities. There comes a time in each of our lives where we must decide if the consequence of saying no is greater than the end result. Even in modern society, people are embracing the no. From the very small no of Meghan Markle and Prince Harry of Sussex, right? They said no because they recognized that something had to change in their family unit in order for their child to thrive and for their marriage to thrive in the way they wanted to. Did this ruffle some feathers? Did this break some traditions? Absolutely. But it opened the door to the life that they want and desire for them and their family. Our text extends us the invitation that says, what is it that we need to say no to in order that we might live more fulfilled lives? that we might live lives more in alignment with that that God has called us to do. What powers that be do we need to say enough is enough? The text also shows us the official saw Vashti's defiance as a threat to the empire. They demonized her ability to stand up for herself. Does that sound familiar? Their actions are not unlike society today. Many of us who identify with the marginalized, whether it be black people, black women, people of color, the poor, LGBT, trans folks, differently able folks, fat folks, all of us who have been shamed or demonized because of our difference. We know what it feels like when our standing up for ourselves and our community is seen as defiance to normative standards. We know what it is like to have our skin, our gender, our size, our abilities weaponized against us and made into a threat when we are literally just trying to live and be free. We deserve dignity and we deserve every good thing that God has in store for us, but that is the tactic of the enemy, to instill fear in us so that we will comply, that we won't say no. But we seek change, and we understand that God is on our side. Now, I have asked us several times today to think personally about the things and systems that we need to say no to, but I think the text even invites us deeper to ask ourselves, in what ways can we honor the voices and experiences of black women, of women of color, and other marginalized groups. Because it is not untrue that oftentimes that we as marginalized folks marginalize others. So in what ways can we do more to honor the no's and the boundaries of black women in our lives? Do we need to apologize to a woman? Have we ever minimized somebody's experience or their difference? Have we ever scoffed at the boundaries that somebody has asked us to honor? There may be somebody we need to repent to, 
because we did not honor their no. Vashti is seen as a strong character who does not use her beauty or sexuality to advance herself, which some argue is which is exactly what Esther does later in the text. Vashti decides that she will not use her body or beauty to benefit the system. Vashti chose not to be complicit in the systems of power that would dehumanize her, and I'm sure she was well aware of her risk. But despite the risk, she decided to be brave. Will you allow fear to hold you? Are you going to allow God's provision to be the determining factor? The good news here in the text is that it says they broke up, right? He does away with her. But the good news is that Vashti comes from her own royal lineage. She is the daughter of a king. And I imagine that if I can't stay in your house, guess what? I got a whole kingdom that I can go back to. So for those of us who do stand in fear for our no, you have to recognize that God has your back. You have a father and you are royal and you are God's child. You have a mother and you are royal and you are her child. I'm not saying that the no's may not cost us pain. We may have to leave some situations and some people that we wanted to stay with, that we wanted the scenario to go very differently but we have to be on the side of justice. When it is all said and done, God honors our no when we say no because we're standing up for what is right. Because our no is rooted in honor and justice and dismantling systems that God never intended to thrive. God will come through and be for you what no one else can. So to society, your story may not end the way they think it should. She walked away with her dignity, her pride, her self-worth, because she did what to her was right. So many of us can be fearful of saying no. We are afraid of the consequences because they are very real, but we serve a God who is bigger than our enemies. We serve a God who is bigger than white supremacy, y'all. We serve a God who is higher than any patriarchal system. We serve a God who loves us and cares for us and sees us right where we are. And will be there for us when we stand up for ourselves. God will send us the support we need to press through. And we serve a God who is faithful and just. Some of us need to say no to some things because it is blocking how God wants to use us in our lives. It is limiting how God wants to use us. So be not afraid to say no. Don't let your conditioning rule and be be the determining factor. Some of us are so used to saying no because we know what it feels like to have no's be told to us. But you can stand up for yourself despite whatever it is that you're facing in your lives and trust that God will be for you your protector, your provider, and all that you need. Ashe.